Hello, all, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And my name is EJ Kerwin. Whether it's your first time listening or you've listened to like 60 plus of our episodes, we're so happy to be here and we feel so grateful to be able to use our experience, our training, our professionalism to really help couples and individuals have the skills, have the tools to really, you know, find joy in their life. And every time we do these podcasts, I'm just reminded of like how happy my heart feels because I know I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think a lot of us don't get that satisfaction from our jobs. And so it just makes me feel even more thankful that all of the experiences the universe has handed down to me were for this reason. And so again, feeling truly grateful for people who tune in and listen to us and and also give us amazing reviews. And we've heard back from so many people that like our podcasts help their marriage. Like that is why we are doing this. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it does mean a lot to us if you do rate our show, if you do write a review, if you just reach out to us through our social media or just through info at he said, she said counseling.com of just like reach out and just tell us about your experience listening to the show or a topic that you want to hear. It makes it really like sort of more interactive for us. And to, how to it get can be feedback. better, right? We always want to take constructive feedback, like funnier, lighter. Like we want to know because we think we know, but we don't. So again, any kind of feedback from our listeners would be greatly appreciated. Yeah. So we had an idea this morning, and the name of this show is It's Not About Us, It's About Us. Play on words. It's I a like little it. play on words. And it came out of a session that we had this week with a couple who've been together a long time. What's a long time? Uh, decades. Yeah, over you know, two decades. Yeah. And they've had some pretty profound struggles over the years. And like many, many couples, my perception was they saw it greatly about just them, like like it's us. We're like, inherently like, broken. Yeah, there's something broken about our relationship. And they were also very focused, like many couples are, on the other person's actions and how it's creating a lot of problems and, and how they're resentful of the other person's actions you know, thoughts, words um, over the years. Which led to this like, well, you didn't meet my needs, so I'm not going to meet your needs. And you've hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you. Like it kind of turned into this punishment piece, which for like many couples, that's what happens. Yeah. And so then through the process, you know, we've been working with them for a little while now and going through understanding them much more deeply on an individual level than really seeing and understanding what they've gone through together. They had this just incredibly beautiful moment where they were fully present for each other's suffering. And they understood what sort of the feelings that each individual person had felt in the relationship, but also both of them had been feeling for 
you know, many years life. before they got together. From little, little kids. Yeah. yeah. And then they had this just like really beautiful moment of holding space for one another. And it felt to me like, man, and I see, you know, I've seen it with so many couples over the years, like what a game changer, you know, like it is the beginning of a significant shift. That doesn't mean the work's over. Right. But it was sort of a cathartic moment where. That moment of compassion. Deep. deep. Not not like up in your head compassion, like, oh, I see why this person is deserving of my empathy, but a deep heart gut understanding of like, man, yeah. this person is really suffering and I, and I love them. And I, and it's certainly not my intention to make them suffer worse. And isn't it like in my experience when, cause it happens a lot in therapy with our couples and every single time, EJ, I'm sure you noticed this tears start falling down my face because I know how impactful and significant that moment is and to experience this vulnerability and healing with a couple after they have been struggling and in pain for over 20 years it was just I, there's no words impactful and yeah. i it just organically leads to crying yeah. in like a very healthy appropriate way because yeah. like, i'm so happy that A, I got to be a part of that experience, but that they did that work in order to get to that place. And because now everything's going to be different. You can never go back to where they were because of this openness that happens and this understanding of like, I had no idea that my partner was in that much pain and they've been in pain before me. And actually this is a person that I want to be with. And so I want to help them in their suffering. I don't want to add to it. Okay. So let's really help the audience like understand this. Like, what are we talking about when we say it's not about us? It's about us. Like, like, what does that mean to you, Tara? It means, you know, we come together in a relationship and we become a we, you know, and that there's really challenging times that we don't get through. So then it becomes about we, like, we can't do this. We can't get that. And then because I've done that work, it becomes about we are actually bringing the us to the we. Is that, does yeah. that sound? Yeah. Like, I mean, because I am like, wow, I've felt insignificant and had this negative core belief from a really early age. Well, then you triggered it. So I'm thinking, God, what a jerk. How dare him, whatever. And then once I realize, like, no, that is just my wounds and you've tapped into them because that's what intimate partners do. I was able to be like, oh, it's always been there. You're just triggering it. And I really love you. So I want to be able to get through this. And I want to help you understand like ways to not trigger it as much and also grow myself. So that's, I don't know, that's like very wordy. I think you're, you're moving towards it. I mean, I think when we come together as a couple, we each bring a whole host, you know, a whole tool bag of ways that we've survived, you know, because in a lot of ways, human existence, any existence of an organism is surviving over the hours, days, years, right? And so we come into the relationship with a bunch of tools that helped us survive. And then when we form a system, 
you know, because then we're like, once we couple up, we're with that other person day after day after day after day. We face challenges together. We go through transitions together that then we unconsciously and autonomically adapt together. And we sort of like are two old coping mechanisms, mm. some of them Defense positive ones, yeah. some of them not very healthy, meld into a whole other system. And that's the us. Right. You know? But they're ultimately at the end of the day, they're individualistic, but they get more and more sort of like mashed together. And most of the way in which we as a couple begin to cope together is not very intentional. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we don't even know. Because like when we, when our partner hurts us or triggers something, we just know that it feels really bad and we want to avoid that at all costs. So then, hello, going into our defense mechanisms, protecting ourselves, and really not trying to understand what's really happening. Well, and if it's not like if it doesn't raise to like a certain level of being problematic, you know, if it doesn't raise to a certain level of being disruptive, we just cope with it, mm -hmm, you know, and, mm -hmm. and sometimes that can happen where couples, it only lasts like six months or a year and then they have to get support. Or sometimes it happens for decades mm -hmm. that they, that they're okay, well, it's good enough. We're surviving right. it. We have these bad moments, but they only last for a while, but it's only when they get to the point where it's just like the wheels are coming off of the bus. You where know, it that's doesn't feel sustainable yeah, anymore. Yeah, that's the point where people come in and that's why they're so like, well, we're just we're just screwed up. We're just broken. Like we just are horrible together. We're not meant. Let's this is our last resort. Or you know, don't even come in and they're just like the heck with it. Let's let's not do it. Yeah. So a lot of times when I'm working with couples, when EJ and I are working with couples together. You know, I do a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy and with that is like, okay, what early beliefs about ourselves when we're kids did we develop that right now might be kind of limiting, blocking our connection with our partner in our adult relationship? You know, and so we bring this list of negative core beliefs and it's everything from I'm not safe, there's something wrong with me, I'm not a value, I'm crazy, I'm insignificant, there's something wrong with me. I can't get it right. I mean, I could sit here for the next hour and identify these negative core beliefs. And I challenge, obviously, in a very nurturing, kind, loving way, individuals and couples to be like, okay, let's let's take an argument, right? And let's really break it down. And under that, what is this negative core belief, right? What is this negative core belief that happens? Like, Because it's triggering an unconscious negative core belief most of the time. And so I'll help a couple, I'll help an individual get to that piece where it's like, oh, I'm not important, right? I'm not important is what's happening. And I'm like, okay, so let's take 20 fights and like, let's really look at that. Would you say that this negative core belief of I'm not important is kind of the thing at the core? And most of the time it's, oh my gosh, yes. Okay, so let's take that. I'm not important, that happens basically, whether it's a fight over a sandwich or around the kids or something at work, like, let's take that. What does it remind you of prior to your relationship, this I'm not important? 
And again, we're there to help facilitate, to go a little deeper, like, well, you know, my whole life, like my mom struggled with alcoholism. My dad worked a lot. Like I kind of was left to my own devices. Like I'm not important. Uh, Yeah. But when we're kids, right, we don't have a frontal lobe that's like, oh, this is starting to develop because no, we internalize it and we have to make this negative core belief about ourselves in order to move through our childhood and have it make some kind of sense, even though it's not good for us, right? So then we help this one partner understand that. Other partners probably most of the time like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. And then we kind of go and move into the other partner. Hey, what belief do you think might be operating under all of this during conflict? And let's say the other partner is like, I can't get it right. Okay, I can't get it right. Would you say out of like nine out of 10 times, that's probably the negative core belief you're functioning from, right? Yeah, for sure. And it's not, again, mind you, it is not conscious. These are unconscious negative core beliefs we develop early on, most of us, not everybody, that definitely start to play a role in conflict. And so what does that remind you of? And take it before your relationship. Well, man, my dad was super critical of me around sports. Like it was never good enough. I was never good enough. Even if I got a B, I wasn't good enough. It wasn't an A. If I got two touchdowns, I should have got six, right? Okay. I'm not good enough, right? And then the, again, listening partners, like I had no idea. And I kind of conceptualized it like, here you guys are, your, your deepest wounds, right? Your deepest unmet needs, your very uncomfortable negative core belief, they're both being triggered at the same time unconsciously in this conflict. You don't know because we have this thing called the frontal lobe that originates into negative or automatic thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. But if you slow it down and start to understand where it's really coming from, you can get to the place of, hey, I have to let you know this was my experience, right? And you telling me that I got the wrong kind of creamer for the coffee today, like it freaking took me back all the way to like, I can't get it right. And it brought up all this pain of, you know, when I was younger and, and most often the other partner is like, that was so not my intention. Like, thank you for letting me know. And I'm going to be more mindful around like knowing that that is a part of you and that that's one of your wounds. And you know what? you do get it right. That's powerful. You look at your partner, you do get it right. You are important. And I think it's important to say too, in this exploration of, of how negative core beliefs have such a major impact on our relationship, is it, it doesn't have to be like this like horrible childhood either. I mean, we there are certainly people who have really, really difficult childhoods where these negative core beliefs are sort of in, instilled and there's, there's like no denying it, right? right. And, and But there's so many people where it's much more subtle than that. And your parents were, you know, were good parents and, or like, you know, they, maybe there was a divorce, but it wasn't horrible or, or maybe it came from school and your interactions there, or learning disabilities or whatever. But, you know, we have a lot of couples where there's also like this, like, barrier to doing this work because they're like, well, I mean, I didn't have it that bad. 
You know, like many people had it so much worse than, than I did. And so they don't want to like make their parents feel bad or they don't want to like cast a negative shadow on their childhood. And oftentimes there's just as strong negative core beliefs that are activated in relatively healthy households, you know, where it's just, you know, you had a little bit of a struggle, you were different than one of your siblings or, you know, and you're more sensitive temperament. Yeah. You're just a little more sensitive or you grew faster than everybody else and always felt like awkward and, and you don't fit in and nobody really likes you. And so that's an important thing to say too. It doesn't have to be this like you know, super profound or really traumatic, you know, childhood that leads to this. And that's why 50% of people end up, you know, divorcing is because it's not just with people who have really horrible childhoods. It's people who just are children, right? And just go through the inevitable ups and downs of life. And just understanding like, our brains are so different as children, right? Like we can become adults and we can use that frontal lobe to make logic and rationale and justify and bargain and defend, you name it. When we're kids, we don't have that ability. We soak it in, we internalize it. Most of the time we have, actually we don't know how to regulate our emotions. So we either cut ourselves off from emotion. We have good parents maybe that help us attune to that you know, not a lot of the time, but some of the times, but yeah. So this is how we start to develop, you know, insecurity, insecure attachment, negative core beliefs, however you want to say it. And another like thing that I remember learning early on about attachment theory and just the impact of early childhood moments is, is also that like, you know, kids personalize everything. They have this thing called magical thinking where they sort of like whatever happens in their field of, of awareness they make it about themselves because they just don't have that that frontal lobe that has the ability to like notice like, oh, I'm just like a small piece of this entire puzzle. You know, kids just have this thing where everything is about them. So if somebody acts a certain way, and we preserve this a lot of ways as adults too, if certain somebody is acting awkwardly or somebody's in a bad mood or somebody is mad, kids internalize it and they say like, oh, it's about me. It must be my fault, right? And so whatever the negative core belief then around that, especially if it's repetitive, especially if it's like, you know, have one parent who's just a little more reactive and they get upset a little more frequently. And then the kid is around that often thinking like, okay, it must be me. It must be me. It must be me. And then that's where it comes. And just that we are sort of wired to take in these, you know, and, and again, everything layers together, these mostly negative perceptions about ourself from early childhood. And then they just, we don't even realize they're there. So that's kind of, you know, like if I had to say, oh, what is our message today? Because we talk and talk, but really what's the message, you guys? Be curious. The next time you feel triggered, not necessarily with your partner, it could be with your children, it could be with a coworker, it could be with a friend. Look under the thoughts, look under the feelings, look under the behaviors. What is the belief? You can go onto Google and type in negative core beliefs. You will find lists and lists upon lists of negative core beliefs. There's usually one or two that you're going to really identify with for that moment and that trigger. And just be like, I'm curious. I want to see if like I can identify with a negative core belief. And if you do take that, like, wow, yeah, I was fighting with my coworker yesterday. 
oh, okay, I'm going to search Google negative core beliefs. Mm, I'm not enough. Yep, that's what that negative core belief was. I am not enough. Okay, what does it remind you of, right? And it's not like you're going to go back into childhood and be like, yep, that is the moment. It's more of this feeling of like, when did I start to feel not enough? Like, when did I start to get a little nervous around like I wasn't performing well, whatever it might be, but really be curious and try to go back early on. Like, when did I develop this? Because it was developed or you wouldn't be identifying with it. So that is kind of like the message to just be curious. And maybe the next time you're triggered, kind of go that route and just see what happens. And then if you identify with something, I'm not enough. I really want you to start thinking about, hmm, is that the little culprit that most of the time causes my triggers? Because usually it is, right? Usually we have one or two that are pretty profound. And then really what you do with that, because this is like kind of the cognitive restructuring piece is I am enough. Like I know when I was little and how I was perceiving things that I kind of internalize, like I'm not enough. And then I, you know, all these situations in my life kind of reinforce that negative core belief unbeknownst to me because it was super unconscious. But you know what? Like now I have this adult brain and this frontal lobe and I'm going to tell myself, even if I don't believe it, right? We're going to do reverse psychology on the brain. I am enough. And you start to restructure that belief. The negative core beliefs don't go away, but we start to restructure them so they're not as profound. And then when we get into that next trigger, it's like, oop, I know what's happening, right? I know what this reminds me of. And you know what? I'm really working on feeling like I am enough. And that's where I'm going to start. And my call to action about, about this podcast is if you're in a relationship and you feel really stuck and you notice that you and your partner are just like caught in loops where of conflict and that you've begun to believe that it's just you guys, that just you guys are, are sort of like just not meant, that you just begin to entertain the thought like, what if it's not just about the fact that we don't match up well or that we've got too much of a past. What if it is about that both of us have like some real opportunities here for personal growth? And that maybe you can even, if that's something you're noticing in your relationship, and maybe it's not even that bad yet, but you are noticing it a little bit or it's gotten pretty rough, that then you bring that to your partner with that us, we mentality of like, you know what I've noticed is I think that both of us might have stuff that's making it hard for us to be very connected in these difficult moments. Mm -hmm. And what if we go and get some help together so we can both learn about ourselves and we can both get better at this relationship. And engage in healthy conflict. Yes, Yes, that's right. That is my call to action. Like, if you are feeling unhappiness in your relationship, think about the fact that it's not about just the two of you and present it in a way to your partner about let's get some help together so we can be better as people, as individuals, as we can grow and our relationship can get better. And let me tell you, when people do that, we see amazing things. We see miracles. I mean, literally miracles. miracles. And, and then- From understanding negative core beliefs. Yeah, it's just amazing. It's it's one of the core concepts. Like when we get to that 
cognitive restructuring session with our couples because you got to be prepared for it. Like it's, you, you know, you, you got to be willing to go look in that basement. It's profound. And it's the only thing EJ and I use when we're triggered now, right? And I used to write it down in journal and, oh, what does this remind me of? And what is the negative core belief? And how do I nurture myself? And what's the opposite core belief of that? Now it's like literally automatic for me to be like, oop, I know what was triggered. Ooh, I know how to soothe myself, right? And again, I know I keep saying this is really important, but when we understand the negative core belief that's triggered and we're able to understand it and nurture it, our nervous system gets better at regulation, which then allows for healthy conflict because we don't go into flight, fight, freeze, protect mode. We go into like nurturing compassion mode. Because our nervous system starts to understand, actually, this feeling isn't dangerous. It just reminds me of something that felt really uncomfortable and I didn't know how to handle that or feel that. Now I'm getting better at it because we're going to be triggered in our lives. Everybody is. And our partner is our greatest teacher. Be patient go. for the lessons. Okay, I say that all the time, but there you go. So again, it's, it's not about us. It's about us. You know, we, we, uh, we really love that idea of you all beginning to look at how can we become better people together? How can we understand each other better? How can we commit to growing together and see if it's not just about bad communication or like we just aren't meant to be together? And how do we grow for ourselves so we feel like we have the freedom to make choices from consciousness, from clarity. From intentionality, from intentionality versus, versus yeah. staying as that child we all have in us that is just reacting impulsively to everything and is merely surviving instead of thriving. Yeah. Oh, now I could totally go into a whole brain thing. All right. And like, okay, but I'll I cut her off. <laughs> <laughs> all, all right. right well, well <laughs> as always, you know, thank you all for just being a part of this experience, yeah. for inspiring us to sit here and have these conversations with each other and for bringing in really interesting people who have wonderful insights that are helpful. Please always, you know, always share your thoughts with us. Uh, we love to hear from you. Absolutely. And I think, so I normally end with take care of yourself, take care of each other. But today, uh, wait for it. Wow. I'm going to end with be curious about yourself. Be curious about each other. I love that word, curious. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me and you listening to the rain. Me and you, we are the same. Me and you have all the fame we need. Indeed, you and me are we. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.